0: After a series of defeats in lower courts, President Trump got a partial victory on June 26 when the Supreme Court allowed him to begin enforcing limits on travel from 6 mostly Muslim countries, as well as a total ban on new refugees from anywhere in the world for 120 days. The high court will formally hear the case this fall. In the meantime, advocates for refugees and civil rights groups are challenging the administration on implementation of the ruling. I'm Sean Zeller, and this is CQ Roll Call's Week Ahead podcast. I'm in our Washington studio steps from the White House with Dean DeCherro and Gopal Ratnam, who cover immigration and homeland security for CQ. Welcome to the show, guys.
1: Thanks. Thank you.
0: So, Dean, there's a lot of debate about how much of a win this Supreme Court decision was for Donald Trump. What's your take on that?
2: Well, he certainly considers it a win. Uh, He came out strongly um, following the ruling and said that this was a a clear victory for national security. Um, Advocates who have been against the travel ban from the beginning obviously see this differently. Uh, They believe that the court's decision to take up the case in full in October uh, will ultimately vindicate what they've been saying since the beginning, which is that this is a policy that is discriminatory against Muslims and will not make us safer.
0: Gopal, uh, so what is the administration able to do now as a result of the Supreme Court decision?
1: So the Supreme Court, um, when they said that the travel ban can continue in a limited fashion, um, they defined it as applicable, as the ban cannot be applied to people with bona fide relationships and close family ties. So now it then became the responsibility of the administration to define what close family ties were. And that's what the State Department did yesterday. And um, in defining that, the administration has now excluded several, um, you know, common sense relationships that people usually see as part of a family, including grandparents, uncles, aunts, nephews, and nieces. And in the first draft of it, the State Department even excluded fiancés. And now it's come back uh, this morning and revised it to say that fiancés now will be considered as part of the family. So that's what, and now that's created a lot more um, consternation from uh, civil rights groups and uh, immigration advocacy groups. And people
0: can come in too who are coming to school, at a university, or have a job.
1: Correct. People who have visas are not, not are not included in this, uh, you know, this ban and restriction. And people, who like you point out, who have a visa to attend a university or a school or you're here for a legitimate, uh, you know, job or a conference, those people are excluded from this restriction.
0: But if you're an Iranian who wants to come over to New York City and see the Statue of Liberty just for fun, forget about it. I think
1: so. And um, and also, I think for these, like we should point out, the people from these six different countries that are on this list, if they don't have any of those ties that are prescribed by the State Department, and they would be excluded from visiting as well.
0: Dean, uh, back to you. So the Supreme Court's going to hear arguments on the case in October. What is the Trump administration doing in the interim to prepare for that?
2: Well, the nationwide injunction against the original order, or I should say the revised order that was issued in March, uh, allowed the Homeland Security Department to go forward with certain sections, including some reports from the Homeland Security Department that we're still waiting for, and actually one that we have gotten. Administration has also said that it is moving forward with some of the so-called extreme vetting tactics. Uh, John Kelly, the Homeland Security Secretary, recently told a a Senate panel that the idea is to move forward with vetting procedures, new vetting procedures, without running afoul of the injunction, which at the time was still in place.
1: There's nothing to do with religion or skin color or the way they live their lives, but all about security for the United States and nothing else. These are countries that are either unable or unwilling to help us validate the identities in backgrounds of persons within their borders.
2: He said that there are certain things that they are being careful about um, in terms of not approaching the injunction too closely, but we've also seen the administration take some action on visa issuances, refugee admissions, uh, sort of seeking to achieve the goals of the travel ban without truly banning anyone. Uh, the State Department released some visa data for March and April, and what we saw from that is that the six countries targeted by the ban, uh, have nationals from those countries have received far fewer visas to come to the United States than uh, in comparison to years past. So this can have some real teeth. Yeah, I mean, to to the extent that there are things that the administration has been able to do without running foul of where the ban is, they have shown an ability to do that. Whether there are simply fewer people applying for visas or they're actually denying more visas, we don't know. But we can see that the flow of travelers from those countries has overall uh, slowed down a bit.
1: We should also point out that if the goal of the administration was to you know, apply more scrutiny to people who are applying for visas from these countries, they could have done that without writing an executive order and creating this ban and then having that be challenged by courts. And we have to point out that the Obama administration did actually begin doing greater scrutiny of visa applicants from these countries and the Trump people could have continued that same process without creating this new legal um, quagmire.
0: Okay, let's be specific about what we're talking about here. The six countries are Libya, Syria, Iran, Somalia, Yemen, and Sudan. And there's one other that was on the original list, Iraq, But after this went through the lower courts and was tossed out, um,
1: the Trump administration removed Iraq. So, Gopal, why those six countries? Well, these were actually, the Trump administration said when they first issued the executive order in January that they took the list of these countries from a previous uh, attempt by the Obama administration to apply greater scrutiny to visitors from these countries. And that, that is indeed true. And also we should point out that the reason why Iraq was taken off the list was because we have American troops in Iraq uh, fighting the Islamic State and the Iraqi government took great exception to the fact that they were put on this list and that could have potentially prevented their military officers from coming to the United States for exercises and training sessions and so on. So that's one of the reasons why they were taken off the list. And we should also add that President Trump has said in the recent uh, dispute between Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, and uh, Qatar, that he thinks Qatar is a sponsor of terrorism. Uh, But we don't find that a country on this uh, list of six whose uh, citizens are being um, scrutinized to a greater extent.
2: And Gopal was mentioning the reasons that Iraq was removed from the list, uh, something that's sort of fallen through the cracks, which I think is interesting because it fits in with the Trump administration's other immigration goals, which is to ramp up deportations of undocumented immigrants, is that Iraq, prior to being taken off the list, uh, agreed to start taking back uh, undocumented Iraqis or Iraqis with criminal records who the Trump administration had decided uh, are deportable. Uh, uh, Previously, Iraq had been... Uh, one of the so-called recalcitrant countries that Trump has discussed convincing, wanting to convince those countries to begin taking back uh, deported um, citizens.
0: And the six countries involved here have not been exporters of terrorism. So, And that is a key issue in the court, right? Um, what have the lower courts argued about and what can we glean from that about what the Supreme Court case will re- revolve around? Well, something that was, well,
2: was pointed out by uh, advocates against the travel ban when it was first uh, issued is that there are countries, uh, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, um, which have uh, you know, legitimate connections to terrorism that can be established, and yet they were not included uh, in the list of countries affected. And, of course, Saudi Arabia and Pakistan are allies of the United States, but uh, that, that uh, disconnect is not gone uh, unnoticed by people.
0: And indeed, the advocates for immigrants in these cases have been citing Trump's comments during his campaign and his tweets, right? right.
2: Well, officially the, you know, the travel ga- the travel ban began on the campaign trail as Trump's proposed total and complete shutdown on Muslims entering the United States. And, you know, even in footnotes of court opinions here, we've seen those tweets cited. And, and it's a case, really, where Trump's words have come back to bite him as he's tried to make this argument that this is not about religious discrimination, but about national security. Right.
0: Trump, to win the case, has to prove to the court that this is about national security, not about religious bigotry.
2: Right. In October, what the justices will be weighing is whether there's discrimination here.
1: And Also, we should also point out that by the time the Supreme Court takes up this case in October the 90 days um, limit the administration wanted to um, for this travel ban, the clock would have run out on that. And so the whole issue of what the court takes up could become moot by that time because the 90 days is already over by that time.
0: And in the interim, we can expect some more litigation, right? Civil rights groups, the state of Hawaii, advocates for refugees. What are they talking about?
1: Right. Well,
2: you know, one of the things that the ACLU, the National Immigration Law Project, uh, that they've said right out of the gate after Monday's ruling, was that they're going to be watching very closely to uh, establish whether or not the Trump administration is really abiding by what the Supreme Court said. Um, You know, Omar Jadwat, who's the head of the ACLU's Immigrants Rights Project, said right out the gate that uh, they're going to be very wary of how the Trump administration Um, is interpreting this. And what we've seen is that immediately there is confusion because of what Gopal was talking about with the various family connections. How you define a bona fide relationship. relationship. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. And Gopal, on refugees, there's two groups here. We're talking about visitors, people who are coming to visit the United States or on business or to be students. And then there are refugees. What's the difference between a refugee and a visitor?
1: Well, a visitor, obviously, is coming on a visa. There's a limited time. They're allowed to stay in the country. Uh, and then afterwards, they're expected to leave the country. But unlike that, a refugee, obviously, arrives in the country f- or is looking to live here long term and are usually granted a green card or a permanent residency in the United States, which then sets the path for them to become a citizen in about five years' time. And so they that's they have a to key pr- difference.
0: They have to prove something, too, right? That they've been victims of political persecution,
1: Correct. The refugee admission process has been extremely tightened in the last uh, at least two to three years, ever since the uh, Syria conflict um, you know, started sending out a large number of people looking for asylum around the world. Um, so people seeking refugee have to demonstrate in a series of interviews with U.S. consular officials that they, in fact, are facing persecution and have been victims of violence in their home countries before they are granted an admission to the United States.
2: And the problem with that is, uh, according to the Trump administration, is that the vetting, uh, which Obama administration officials insisted was some of the toughest in the world, uh, is just simply not good enough. Uh, We even saw former FBI director James Comey uh, say in something that Republicans latched onto very quickly, that with a country like Syria, for instance, or Libya, where there is essentially uh, a lack of uh, you know, paperwork that we can really get our hands on that you can query security databases until the cows come home. Unless there is data to query, you're not going to find anything. Uh, John Kelly, again, the Homeland Security Secretary, made some waves recently when he told uh, lawmakers that the the United Nations, which is in charge of referring refugee applicants to the State Department, is more of a refugee placement than a refugee... Uh, vetting, that they're doing more placement than vetting, really.
0: And refugees have to work through nonprofit agencies who help them come to the United States, and there may be a back door for them, right? The refugee agencies are arguing that their relationship with the refugees constitutes a bona fide relationship.
1: True. That would be their argument, but also, I think, going back to Dean's point— I mean, the, con- the concern about refugees and in countries like Syria or Libya or Yemen, where there is really no government that can you know, provide an infrastructure to check people, I think the concern here is that the people who are coming in as refugees could be potentially intending to do harm down the road. And that's one of the reasons why uh, there's greater scrutiny and uh, there's a longer time period when they want to stop the flow of refugees.
0: Now, both of you spend a lot of time up on Capitol Hill talking to lawmakers. What's the reaction been from Democrats and from Republicans?
2: Well, it hasn't changed very much from the each party's opinions on the original travel ban. Um, Democrats, uh, you know, some of them were expressed dismay at the Supreme Court's decision, and Republicans said, like the Trump administration said, that this was a victory for national security, even if there are questions that still need to be answered by the court. Uh, Legislatively speaking, there is, I believe, a a willingness to let this play out. I don't think that on either side of the aisle, lawmakers are eager to take up uh, this type of legislation dealing with this type of thing right now, uh, especially because the last time they tried to do so following the Paris attacks in 2015, they hastily passed a law to uh, put scrutiny on more travelers. And within days, uh, members of both parties had said, we need to step back and we may have moved too quickly on this. So given the way it went the last time, I think there is a, a willingness to let this play out in court. So Gopal,
0: where do things stand right now?
1: The State Department has issued guidelines to all the embassies um, defining what constitutes uh, close family ties. And in the first round of the guideline, they said grandparents, uncles, aunts, nieces, uh, nephews, and uh, fiancés were not considered part of the family. They revised that now to say fiancés are considered part of the family. And in the meantime, the uh, the plaintiffs in the state of Hawaii who are one of the, uh, the 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 group that had initially challenged uh, the uh, travel ban has sought a clarification from the district court in Hawaii, asking if the State Department's interpretation of the Supreme Court injunction is is keeping in ter- you know in line with what the Supreme Court intended. So we have to wait and see what the district court in Hawaii says. In the meantime, I've sp- spoken with a couple of people who say it is likely that the entire definition and the guidelines issued by the State Department could be challenged if there are new plaintiffs who can show that they are being harmed by this very uh, non-so-common-sense definition of family relationships. So that's where we stand right now. But we have to say, though, that the travel restrictions themselves have taken effect as of 8 p.m. on Thursday and are in force right now.
0: All right. Many more arguments to come and for you guys to watch. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. I'm Sean Zeller, and I thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One.